for your morning. All the news you need to know. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Welcome to the 77 WABC Early News. I'm Deborah Valentine with your news, sports, business, traffic, and weather. Here's everything you need to know. The top five at five. The U.S. Secretary of State says the U.S. is spending $2 million a month to protect U.S. officials from threats from Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard. There's proof in emails that Joe Biden paid his son Hunter Biden's legal bills totaling $800,000 related to his deal with the Chinese business, despite Biden saying repeatedly he knew nothing of his son's business dealings. The Santa Fe County Sheriff says actor Alec Baldwin may face charges in connection with a fatal shooting on the set of the movie Rust, which killed the film's cinematographer. Twitter's blocked developers from making changes to the social media app to prevent sabotage from left-wingers angry over Elon Musk's push for free speech as his $44 billion takeover awaits final approvals. Well, shoplifting right here in New York City, it's up 81% year-to-date, with two out of every five suspects repeat offenders. Deborah Valentine with your 77 WABC Early News. Ongoing threats against U.S. officials from Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken Tuesday confirmed the ongoing threat against both past and present American officials. The revelation came during a Senate Foreign Relations Committee hearing during questioning from Republican U.S. Senator Ted Cruz of Texas. It comes weeks after news that the State Department is paying $2 million a month to protect officials, including former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Here's Blinken. I'm not sure what I can say in uh, in an open setting, but let me say generically that there is uh, an ongoing threat uh, against um, uh, American officials, both present and, uh, and past. And Blinken revealed that such attacks against U.S. officials have gone up 400 percent from 2019 to 2020. That time frame marks the U.S. pullout from the Iranian nuclear agreement and the designation of the IRGC as a foreign terrorist organization. During the hearing, Blinken was pressed by Republican and Democratic members of the Biden administration's decision to pursue reentering the nuclear deal. Emails reveal that Joe Biden agreed to pay his son Hunter's legal fees related to his deal with the Chinese government control company. Hunter's assistant, Katie Dodge, wrote an email to bookkeeper Linda Shapiro and Biden aide Richard Ruffner. It said Joe Biden agreed to pay more than $800,000 in Hunter's bills. The emails refute Biden's repeated claims. He was unaware of his son's overseas business dealings. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Well, first, the president has never had a conversation with the Department of Justice about any investigations into any member of his family. He said that during the campaign, and he will continue to abide by that. So I'd point you to the Department of Justice for any additional steps they would take. They would make those decisions independently. The Bidens, Joe and his wife Jill, used funds from the millions a couple made from book deals and speaking engagements after Joe Biden finished his term as VP under President Obama. An analysis of Biden's financial records, Joe Biden's, by the DailyMail.com shows almost $7 million more in income on his tax returns than he did on his government transparency reports. Now, some of that difference can be accounted for with salaries earned by First Lady Joe Biden and other sums not required on those reports. But still, it leaves $5.2 million earned by Joe's company and not listed on his transparency reports. 
Actor Alec Baldwin, he is not out of the woods yet. Baldwin may still face charges for accidentally killing cinematographer Helena Hutchins on the movie set of Rust back in October of 2021, according to the Sheriff's Department investigating that killing. They released a trove of documents and videos from their investigation into the onset accident in which Hutchins was killed and the director hurt. The 64-year-old Baldwin was rehearsing a scene in October of 2021, October 21st, when he pulled his gun from his costume, it fired. The 42-year-old Hutchins was fatally wounded. Her husband, Matthew, spoke to the Today Show back in February. Almost sounds like he was the victim. And hearing him blame Helena in the interview and and shift responsibility to others and and seeing him cry about it, I just feel like, are we really supposed to feel bad about you, Mr. Baldwin. The gun fired a live round, which had been loaded into what Baldwin thought was an empty or ghost gun. So far, no one has been criminally charged over the accident, but Santa Fe County Sheriff Adam Mendoza suggested on Tuesday morning that charges may still be brought in the case. Well, trouble's brewing at Twitter. Twitter has blocked its developers from making changes to the app to prevent it from being sabotaged by left-wing staff angry at Elon Musk's $44 billion takeover. Musk's promise of free speech has caused an outbreak of hysteria among liberal social media personalities who are threatening to quit the social media giant. Musk has joined criticism of its moderation policies, which are accused of disproportionately targeting conservative voices. But his critics claim he will allow hate to flourish. I mean, I don't, I don't think we should try to have people live for a very long time, for a very long time. It would cause ossification of society um, because the truth is uh, most people don't change their mind. They just die. And so if they don't die, they will be, will be stuck with old ideas and they won't society won't advance. Twitter has banned any product updates that are not business critical. The move aims to prevent angry staff from going rogue, a source told Bloomberg. Musk's takeover is set to be completed in six months. Staff are only guaranteed jobs up to that point, but no layoffs are planned at the social media platform either. Shoplifting in the Big Apple has skyrocketed some 81% this year compared to last as the city continues to reel from a crime surge. Two out of five crimes are recidivist offenders. Chief of Crime Control Strategies is Michael LaPetri. Here he is during a Wednesday briefing. We also have 379 individuals that have been arrested three or more times this year for shoplifting-type crimes. That is a sharp increase from 2019. There have been more than 5,000 petty larceny, grand larceny, and robbery complaints. That is up from 2,000 compared to the previous year. Of those arrested for shoplifting related offenses over the past two years, two out of five are recidivists. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Nice day today. Partly sunny skies are highs 52. Breezy though. Wind 17 to 22 miles per hour. Mostly clear overnight. The low dips to 40. Still winds to 21 miles per hour. Another sunny day tomorrow. The high 56. Winds 20 to 23 miles per hour. Right now 49 degrees under mostly clear skies here in Manhattan. The U.S. Supreme Court is grappling with the Trump-era policy known as Remain in Mexico. The Biden administration wants it scrapped. Under the unprecedented program launched in 2019, the Department of Homeland Security sent certain non-Mexican citizens who entered the U.S. back to Mexico 
instead of detaining them or releasing them into the U.S. while their immigration proceedings played out. Now, critics call the policy inhumane and say it exposes asylum seekers with credible claims to dangerous and squalid conditions. Texas Representative Mike McCall on Fox News sees it a different way. You know, once they get in, it's catch and release all over again. And and so they rescinded these policies from day one. They own this. And in terms of the midterm elections, they do own it. They can fix it, but they don't want to. Migrants subject to the program, formerly known as Migrant Protection Protocols, have resided in makeshift camps along Mexico's northern border. No decision yet from the U.S. Supreme Court on this. President Joe Biden issued his first batch of presidential pardons yesterday, three in all, while also commuting the prison sentences of 75 nonviolent drug offenders. Among the three pardons, a former Secret Service agent, now 86-year-old Abraham Bolden of Chicago. He became the first African-American Secret Service agent to serve on a presidential detail during the Kennedy administration. In 1964, Bolden was arrested on charges related to attempting to sell a copy of a Secret Service file, an allegation he has consistently denied. Here's Bolden uh, talking to Value Entertainment Media back in 2018. But they can kill a man in more ways than one, than a bullet in the brain. They killed me for 60 years with a conviction, you see. Mm-hmm. They kill the body, but not the soul. And uh, you can kill a man just by slander, confusing the public about his motivations, convictions, convicted people around him. He was convicted after two trials, even though key witnesses later admitted lying at the request of prosecutors, the White House said in a fact sheet. Vice President Kamala Harris in quarantine this morning. She has tested positive for COVID-19. Those positive tests Tuesday after Harris returned from a week-long trip to California. Her husband previously tested positive as well. Harris tested positive for both COVID-19 on rapid and PCR tests. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said there isn't much worry if the president were to also test positive. It is true. Uh, as we've noted many times, it is possible the president could test positive. We will be very transparent with you. If that were to happen, he has access to the best health care in, uh, in the world. And we uh, believe, because of all of the pre- precautions and steps we have taken, that he would be able to continue his duties as the vice president is as well. A White House official says a contact tracing is underway. Harris did not participate in any events or meetings at the White House yesterday. A report is out from the World Bank. It predicts that inflation will soar 50 percent this year following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Energy prices are expected to continue to rise at historic levels through 2024. The increase is expected to harm economic growth. Republican U.S. Senator Kevin Kramer of North Dakota. The culprit changes on a nearly daily basis. First, it was OPEC plus not producing enough oil. Then it was the evil corporations price gouging at the expense of hardworking American families. Then it was Vladimir Putin's fault, his invasion of Ukraine, and now it's oil and gas companies sitting on 9,000 leases. Of course, we've come back around today to those greedy oil companies again. The report said the increases in energy prices during the past two years have been the largest since the 1973 oil crisis when the OPEC group of oil-producing countries declared an embargo. Trade restrictions and rising food, fuel, and fertilizer prices are exacerbating exacerbating these increases in energy prices as well. 
A four-year-old boy in China has contracted a case of the bird flu. China's health authority reported Tuesday the first human infection of the H3N8 strain of bird flu has been recorded. However, they say they feel the risk of it spreading among people is very low. The boy was diagnosed with the bird flu after developing a fever and other symptoms on April 5th. No close contacts were infected with the virus. The child had been in contact with chickens and crows raised at his home in China. The H3N8 variant has previously been detected elsewhere in the world in horses, dogs, birds and seals, but no human cases of H3N8 have been reported previously. More threats of nuclear action from Russia. Russia's top diplomat, Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, says the West is engaged in a proxy war with his country that could escalate into a world war with nuclear weapons because Western nations elevated their commitment to help Ukraine defend itself. Lavrov said the West was increasing the risk of a bigger conflict by providing arms to Ukraine. The danger is serious. It's real. You can't underestimate it. But we are continuing to engage in negotiations with the team delegated by Vladimir Zelensky. And these contacts will go on. That's Lavrov there. And Ukrainian Foreign Minister Dmitry Kaliba said Mr. Lavrov's comments were aimed at scaring countries off from their support of Ukraine. 77 WABC Time Check 515. Justin Ellis here with Sports. Morning, Justin. Good morning, Deb. Uh, quick appearance from Sydney Rosenberg just to uh, touch what, my what's face. What's he doing in here? No, no, no. I think he just came inside to touch my face. Oh, that's well, listen, strange. A lot of people. A lot of people do that. A lot of people just come into the room to rub your cheek, to rub my and cheek, just, and um, caress, I'll do it in the morning, and, 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 yeah, and caress me, and, and all that good stuff. All right. oh. Well, either way, I am Justin Ellick here with the early news sports update. Quickly, an update on the 2022 NBA playoff games from last night. The Heat take care of the Hawks in five games with 90, with a 97 to 94 series clinching win at home. The Grizzlies beat the Timberwolves 111 to 109 in Memphis to grab a one game advantage in that series, and the Suns do the same against the Pelicans in Phoenix with their 112 to 97 victory. Looking ahead to tonight, the Bulls are at the Bucks at 7:30 p.m. with Milwaukee up three games to one on Chicago, and the Warriors are set to host the Nuggets at 10 p.m. in an effort to close out that series in five games. Let's head to the ice where the Rangers and Hurricanes indulge in a matchup of the top two teams in the Metropolitan Division with that first with first place still within reach for the Blue Shirts. Unfortunately, things didn't go according to plan for the Rangers as Carolina beat them for the third time in four meetings this season to clinch the division. Vincent Trocek had a goal and an assist for the Canes and route to the nail-biting 4-3 win. And Chris Kreider buried his 52nd goal of the season to give Rangers fans at least a little something to smile about. That call courtesy of the great Sam Rosen. Kreider's 52 big ones ties him with Adam Graves for the second most single-season goals in franchise history and puts him just two behind. The top spot currently being kept warm by Yaramir Yager. Up next for New York is a date with the Montreal Habs at the Garden tonight, set for a 7.30 p.m. puck drop. Over to the Diamond, where both local teams kept up their winning ways last night. After nine and a half seasons at the friendly confines of Wrigley Field, Anthony Rizzo is finding Yankee Stadium to be just as nice, if not nicer. Fly ball down the right field line. And it's gone! A home run for Anthony Rizzo! Right down the line, right inside the pole. His first three home run game of his career. That call courtesy of Michael Kay and the Yes Network. 
Rizzo's third-round tripper of the evening capped off a 12-8 Yanks victory over the Baltimore Orioles. Game two of that series is set for 7.05 p.m. tonight, with Jordan Montgomery set to toe the rubber against Baltimore's Tyler Wells. As for the Metropolitans, they improved to 14-5 overall with their 3-0 shutout of the Cardinals in St. Louis. Chris Bassett was strong once again for New York, chucking six strong innings and route to the team's sixth straight series win to start the season, which is now a franchise record. They'll go for the three-game sweep later on this afternoon in St. Louis at 1.15 p.m. Eastern Time. Here with the Early News Sports Update, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Hi, thanks, Justin. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Partly sunny today, highs 52, breezy winds to 22 miles per hour. Windy overnight still, winds to 21 miles per hour, the low 40. Sunny day tomorrow, the high 56, still breezy with winds to 23 miles per hour. Right now, 49 degrees, mostly clear skies. Frank Morano standing by with your business report. I'm Frank Morano with your business report. A rough day for the stock market yesterday. U.S. stocks fell sharply with shares selling off into the close as investors dumped equities on fears of an economic slowdown. The tech-heavy Nasdaq composite dropped 3.95% and hit a fresh 52-week low. The index retreated further into bear market territory, sitting now about 23% off its high. The Dow Jones Industrial shed 809 points, or 2.4%, and the S&P 500 lost 2.8%. For April, the S&P 500 is off 7.8%, the Nasdaq is down 12.2%, and the Dow has declined 4.2%. Lucid Group said the government of Saudi Arabia has agreed to buy up to 100,000 of its electric vehicles over the next 10 years. Saudi Arabia's public wealth fund holds an approximately 62% stake in the U.S.-based automaker, which began production of its air luxury sedan last September. Lucid shares were up more than 5% in after-hours trading following the news. Lucid said Saudi Arabia's Ministry of Finance has agreed to buy at least 50,000 of its vehicles over the next 10 years, with an option to buy an additional 50000 over the same period. Summer vacation plans could be in flux this year. This time, it's not because of COVID. Instead, high prices due to inflation may prompt prospective travel goers to switch up their plans. A survey from Bankrate finds, in fact, 69% of adults who say they will take a vacation this summer anticipate changing their travel plans as prices have soared to record levels. Ted Rossman, senior industry analyst at Bankrate.com, predicts in the battle between pent-up demand that has been up over the past couple of years and soaring costs, the desire to travel may still win out for many people. I'm Frank Morano on 77 WABC. Be sure to listen to me starting at 1 a.m. on the other side of midnight. Thanks, Frank. Looking at futures this morning, the Dow's up 326 points at 33,482. S&P 500 has climbed 35. The Nasdaq's risen 114 and a quarter points. Gold's down $7.80 an ounce at $1,896.30. Crude oil up $76 a barrel to $102.48. The WABC Early News. Deborah Valentine with your 77 WABC Early News. Time check 522. Anti-Semitism is on the rise. The watchdog group, the Anti-Defamation League, said Tuesday in its annual report, that more than 400 anti-Semitic incidents, including assaults, occurred throughout New York State last year. That marks a 325% jump from the dozen recorded in 2020. Former New York State Assemblyman Dove Heikend earlier this month spoke after six suspects attacked a Hasidic man in Brooklyn. These six 
individuals, they have nothing better to do than to attack a Hasidic Jew. What cowards, what cowards they are. The statistics speak loud and clear. Attacking Jews. Jews have to be afraid in New York. The 2021 statewide figures included 183 incidents of harassment, 182 reports of vandalism, 161 cases involving swastikas and 51 assaults. They're the highest total since 1979. Attacks on Jewish institutions like synagogues, temples, schools and community centers jumped from 44 in 2020 to 62 last year, marking a 41 percent increase. New York City Mayor Eric Adams unveiled his nearly $100 billion revised fiscal 2023 budget Tuesday on his 100th day in office at Brooklyn's King's Theater. Adams' spending plan totals $99.7 billion. The plan $1.2 billion larger than the $98.5 billion preliminary budget that uh, Adams rolled out in February. The budget blueprint beefs up spending on things like housing and other social services. Despite the massive shocks to our system in the past two years, our city enters fiscal year 2023 on strong financial footing. This is the result of effective planning and fiscal responsibility. The boost, which includes nearly $182 million in additional money for the NYPD, nearly matches the $1.3 billion in extra investments requested earlier this month by Council Speaker Adrian Adams, a Democrat out of Queens, and her leadership team in response to the mayor's preliminary proposal. When additional funds from the current fiscal year are factored in, Adams' executive plan tops $100 billion, contrasting with his previous focus on fiscal discipline. The budget would still be balanced under Adams' latest proposal, and the administration has secured $6.3 billion in fiscal reserves, according to Adams' team. With hotel revenue down 55% in New York City post-pandemic, investors and developers are working to make New York City's Times Square area more like Las Vegas. Three new casino licenses, for example, are looming. Mayor Adams wants New York City to get at least two of the three licenses. Two strong contenders include the so-called local racinos that currently feature electronic games, Resorts World Casino and Aqueduct in Queens, and Empire City Casino in Yonkers. But a third license could be up for grabs, and multiple casino companies are actively lobbying for a spot in Manhattan or one near City Field in Queens. Now, among the proposed gambling sites that could be coming to Manhattan are a casino near the Water Club along the East River in Kipps Bay, a Monaco-style casino on top of Saks Fifth Avenue in Midtown, and a Hard Rock Casino in the crossroads of the world, Times Square. Kipps Bay resident Larry Fondor, though, doesn't seem too happy about the idea when she spoke to NBC4 New York. People around casinos tend to be drunk and stuff, so I just feel like it would bring like weird culture to this area. Also in the works, an outdoor pool overlooking the theater district, a hotel with a concert stage that is set to open in 2023, and a developer has proposed a casino in the entertainment district. Times Square economy suffered more than that of any other New York City neighborhood in 2020. Well, fare beaters in the New York City subway system are prompting a new initiative at the MTA. MTA chair and CEO Jano Lieber announced a Fairness Panel Tuesday, a group to try and figure out a way to get people to pay their fare. Lieber spoke to the Association for a Better New York's Power Breakfast, the MTA also addressing subway crime. 
even with arrests up 63%. Assaults, stabbings, and arrests are all up this year. On Monday, a man was killed on a subway platform in Queens during an argument near the turnstiles at the Jamaica Center, Parsons Avenue Station. The suspect pulled out a gun and fired five shots, killing 24-year-old Marcus Bathia. Here's Jano Lieber. Some of that bad stuff was highlighted again last night by another high-profile shooting in Queens where two guys who apparently knew each other got into an argument, somebody pulled a gun, and somebody is dead. The violence came just hours after the NYPD released data showing felony assaults are up 33% from 2021 and up more than 50% from last month. Stabbings and slashings in transit are up 70% compared to last year. Taking a look at your forecast from the Ramsey Monster Weather Center, partly sunny or high 52. Breezy winds to 22 miles per hour, the overnight low 40. Sunny tomorrow, the high 56 winds to 23 miles per hour. Well, an update for you in the fight to rename the Governor Mario M. Cuomo Bridge back to its original name, the Tappan Zee. On Monday, a bipartisan group of lawmakers in Albany allowed the bill to move out of the Transportation Committee and head to the Assembly for a floor vote. Disgraced former Governor Andrew Cuomo had the bridge renamed for his father back in 2018. New York State Republican Assemblyman Mike Lawler spoke out last month about renaming the bridge. Frankly, the time for compromise uh, on this has passed uh, with respect to uh, adding the Tappan Zee name back. The governor didn't want that at the time. He wanted the Cuomo family name. He, through his own actions, not mine, not anybody else's, through his own actions, has disgraced that name and it needs to come off the bridge. The lawmaker said the renaming of the Tappan Zee was done without the public's input. Online petitions have supported the renaming and have grown louder following Cuomo's resignation. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC.